from the Piedmont region of North Carolina all the way down to the Lone Star State. The OneCast crew talks to Stephanie, NPFL Pro, this episode on the OneCast. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a code. It's a f***ing dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Sorry for the intro. I clearly can't speak. So uh, check out this episode. You're really going to enjoy it. Head on over to OneCastFishing.com. Use the code the OneCast to save 10% on your orders. Get your hands on those uh, snagless jigs, the weedless nets, those long neck hooks, and other items uh, for your choosing. We are excited today. I'm joined with Pete to my left here and Ben, who's on the other screen. How you guys doing today? Good, man. Good. Rainy day, Sunday. We had a time change. Ben missed the message, so uh, we get to test the, the whole remote deal, uh, which will work out because we have some travel coming up That's right uh, for, for each of us, so we may have to do this from the road for mm-hmm. a few. So, How about you, Ben? You, you pumping the boat out down there? Yeah, yeah. It actually worked out to be a good thing because, uh, I mean, I missed the messages yesterday, but I had to run outside right before I jumped on here at about four inches of water sitting in the bottom of my boat, so I had to turn that bilge pump is just up pumping right now i don't know if you heard that thunder but it just it crashed again oh yeah yeah, yeah. So. folks it's definitely uh it's coming down on us here in the piedmont region north carolina and i i know the rain is good for the fisheries and everything like that but we have been getting a significant amount of rain and in fact i think some of those anglers fishing right now are feeling some of the rain as well pete you want to run down so. what's going on currently? yeah so they have not, uh, as of us starting this recording, they're they're getting ready to head to weigh-in down at uh, Santee Cooper for the Elites. Uh, looks like, uh, who was it, Brandon Lester was pulling away with that one. Luke Palmer. Or Luke Palmer, I'm sorry. For some reason, Brandon's on my <laughs> mind. I don't know why, but Luke Palmer looks to be pulling away with that one. Uh, he had about a 12-pound lead on Bass Track, uh, given, you know, that's not 100%. But uh, Matty Robertson, we talked about it on, on our live Friday if you joined us. Uh, we thought he had it. We thought he had fish coming to him, and his bite just kind of disappeared yesterday. Yep. And uh, as of when I looked at about 11.45 today, he had not caught a fish yet today. So yeah. um, it looked like I, it was uh, Luke's. Just, Go ahead. Uh, so I just pulled it up here. Yeah, Luke Palmer's got a uh, – it looks like he's got a 13-pound lead. Yeah. Actually, it's 12 ounces, 12 pounds, 15 ounces. But Mark Mendez – he only has four fish, and there are some giants running around Santee, so it's not quite over. No, yet. no, maybe he'll run into a last-minute thirteen chounder and, and run away. <laughs> you got about 30, 30 minutes to catch a fourteen pounder there, or, or whatever it's gonna take. <laughs> so by the time everyone's hearing this, you're gonna know who hosted the uh, the blue trophy up. I'm gonna call Luke Palmer is uh, is taken away with it, but hopefully, you know. Um, Everybody had a good tournament, and they're not getting disgustingly wiped out like we are here in North Carolina. And what else happened? We got a uh, we got somebody oh, yeah. that uh, heavy hitters down at the, pulls uh, down and uh, Caney and Creek and trophy belts up, right? Yeah, Caney Creek and B- Bussy Break, however you say it down there, Bussy Break, uh, Louisiana. They had the heavy hitters tournament. Alton Jones Jr. came out on top of that one. He he was on fish when a lot of guys weren't pretty much all week, so he uh, he had a heck of a tournament. Congrats to him winning that. I don't have all the weights and everything right in front of me. Uh, because that's not uh, not what this episode's all about. But we wanted to make sure we mentioned those W's yeah. and that stuff that was going on. Uh, but we're we're definitely excited here at the OneCast to be bringing another NPFL angler uh, to to y'all. Somebody who has a, a great story, uh, loves chasing fish just as much as everybody. Gets out there after him. Has fished uh, the LBAA, which is the Lady Bass Angler Association, uh, was a 2021 Rookie of the Year. 
uh, fished the Cowboy BFL division and finished 55th out of over. We found out like close to 350 boats. Yeah. So it was right up there in that. Uh, fished the Bass Central Opens along with the Southwest Toyota Series. Uh, you may have seen her along with uh, her co-host Harvey Horn on the Bass Hub. And uh, we'll let her talk about some of the other stuff she has going on. But I'm not going to butcher this. I'm going to I'm <laughs> gonna go. We have Stephanie Hempel-Pellerin, MPFL Pro, joining us. So I'm going to bring her on now, and uh, we'll, we'll get into the meat of this one. Stephanie, how are you doing? Welcome to the OneCast, and thank you for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. I am so glad that Pete didn't butcher your last name because I, for some odd reason, <laughs> could not get it out of my mouth even though we spoke prior to this show airing so uh yeah appreciate you taking the time and and we just talked a little mlf we just talked a little bass but now we're talking national professional league uh professional fishing league pro stephanie hempel pellerin from village mills texas what's going on down in texas right now well it's absolutely gorgeous weather about <laughs> 83 degrees mm. blue blurred skies which i'm not you know, very fond of, obviously, you know, us being fishermen, that high pressure, but, um, it's just beautiful. Yeah. I mean, which I was on the water. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you, we were on the water, uh, yesterday for those listening, obviously it'll be a week from now, but we, uh, we fished Falls Lake, North Carolina. And, um, and we had a phenomenal day, probably the best day of fishing I've had so far. I think we caught up to 40, 40 fish. In fact, I caught some of the smallest bass I've caught for the year, but, uh, it turned around from yesterday today and it is absolutely nasty disgusting weather and not the good warm rain that you want to go out and fish in mm. it's the nasty stuff where the your line is going to start zinging because there's so much lightning and static electricity <laughs> in the air so but yeah we were wishing we were fishing too so you know can you just break it down who is stephanie and 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 talk to us about your journey to uh if, if you wouldn't mind yeah, um, it, it's pretty simple. Number one, I'm a wife and I'm a mother. That That's number one to me that comes before fishing any day of the week. Um, but since then, you know, other than that, I've been fishing since I was two years old. Started out of a flat bottom boat and where, you, you know, we didn't have any electronics. You put your rod in the water, see how deep you were. And my dad told me from a very early age to keep it simple. And so that's really kind of my motto, even to this day, is keep it simple. Mm -hmm. You know, um, started tournament fishing about 2008, nine, and did that for a while um, until my kids really, really needed me. And I had to take a little break, still had a boat, still fished. You know, I just, just did it because I loved it and yeah. wanted to continue doing it. And then in uh, 2020, I decided to coach a fishing team and at the time when i decided to do this they had like five kids i ended up getting 32 kids so it was it was really crazy um but you know i wanted to teach them all kinds of stuff you know those things that you don't talk about on the water you know how how to drive a boat how to you know not get too close to people those that etiquette that nobody talks about that was a huge thing for me uh, and it should be for a lot of people i think and that really kind of got that tournament bug back in me again, because after that, it's been an addiction ever since. You know, I started BFLs then. I did the LBAA, did very well with the LBAA. And, you know, BFLs was okay. I think, you know, out of 300 and something, I think I ended up coming like 110 or something like that. And so I said, well, the next year I'm going to do better than this. And, and I did. I did a lot better. 
Uh, Toyotas, it went okay. If my boat would have stayed healthy, you know, and I did not have problems, I would have done a whole lot better. But it seemed like every single time I gained ground, I would have boat problems. And that actually just happened again where we were just at, at Wright-Patman. I mm-hmm. had to borrow a boat all three days. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's just, the, it, it's an ad- addiction for me, but it's something I absolutely love. I cannot see me walking away from it. It's something I have to have in my life. And, you know, my kids, my husband understands it. Mm-hmm. You know, you know how bass fishing is. Yep. You live oh, yeah. and breathe it and dream it and everything else. <laughs> it's definitely a drug, which you wouldn't yeah. think uh, would be the yeah. case. Um, you know, Ben, Ben, Pete and myself, we've talked to, to several people and, and we talk amongst ourselves about growing the industry. And, and something you said before was, you know, you, you started coaching bass fishing. Um, do you think that tournament angling is the actual platform to growing the industry or is it all of the other things that are around in the industry such as coaching high school bass um volunteering uh working with biologists um working inside marketing and sales what in your opinion what is the best platform to grow the industry well first of all to grow the industry i'm going to say it's probably the social media number one uh, we cannot grow this without the social media. Unfortunately, I believe, and, and I'm, I'm probably going to be wrong by this, 75% of it's going to be social media. The rest of it's your ability and your fishing skills because mm-hmm. people are so quick to talk about the negative things that you do yep. versus if you go and win, you're only going to hear that, hear about it for about a week. That's yeah. it. Yeah. You know, congratulations. Da, da, da. I just think social media pretty much drives the sport. Um, and, you know, the high school kids are, you know, that that's, well, how, how do I say this? That is who's coming up. That is the future of our sport is these mm-hmm. high school kids and college kids. I only wish that we would have had it when I was younger because, man, these kids are going to be freaking good. Oh, yeah. I mean, they can already look at live scope. They can do everything that I could not do at that age because we didn't have that you know, kind of technology. We didn't have it. Yeah. So, you know, and I also think, you know, just taking people out fishing is very, very, very important. The people that has never done it, you know, it costs nothing to put somebody else in your boat. Mm-hmm. You're going to go anyways. You know, I know this is going to sound crazy. Somebody sitting on a dock who's sitting there minna fishing or doing whatever, or just sitting there throwing around the dock because they don't have a boat. Take them fishing. Yeah. You know, that that's great ways to grow the sport is just to get involved in anything you possibly can. Amen. Yeah, and I we we've talked about it. I don't know how many times with the high school kids. And Ben, I think that was one of the points you brought up. Like, it's well, going to be I, tough I, to compete if you're not if you don't start at that age, just because of the yes. experience that the kids are able to get now. Go yeah, ahead, yeah, that, that was the one point I was going to bring up. Is I mean, we've talked about it before. You look at other sports, right? There's so much of a focus on whatever it is: basketball, football, fishing. Now at a younger age, they just get the you know. When you're developing at that age and you're soaking up so much information, yeah, it's one of those things. You know, we, we were at church, um, this World War church every Sunday, pretty much. But they bring the little kids up, and they, there's memory verses, and the the little kids that re- memorize the memory verses a million times faster than than us as adults. Um, and some of that's probably effort involved, um, but <laughs> but there's something at that age to, to be able to to, to, to memorize. Uh, to pick up on information. So that's why I think we'll continue to see your kids just get better and better. But I wanted to go back to the high school because uh, 
the fishing team. So 2020, you mentioned when you started, obviously we know what happened in 2020. That's why you got 27 yes. more kids than you expected. Um, how was that? Cause I would, I would expect all those new kids probably had almost nothing, uh, or, or very little experience fishing, uh, besides maybe a Zebco from Walmart and two, it's now been a few years. How many of those have stuck with it? If, if you know so far, because well, unfortunately after the first year they ended up, cause you know, kid, the kids, you know, graduate, you know, their, their parents, you know, I actually had two other people that did this with me. Um, they graduated and they didn't need me anymore. Basically new kids were coming on, you know, a dad took it over. So 2020 is the only time I was involved, but that's when everything was changing. You actually, the way in was totally different. You would have to pull up with your truck and boat, you know, you'd hand them your fish, you would weigh them in. It wasn't going up there. You know, I think part of bass fishing is the camaraderie of it. You know, fit, you know, talking to your buddies. Oh, what did you catch? What did you catch? They didn't get that opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, to do yeah. any of that. So because of because of COVID in 2020, so everything was so much different then. And yes, I had a lot of kids that did not know a lot about fishing. I had some kids that were just in it for the boys, some boys that were in it for the girls that were on the team. <laughs> you know, you you had a lot of that. I mean, that's reality. But then you have those ones that I would see some of my kids, you know, I live at a golf course. I would see some of those kids on the ponds, you know, fishing every single day. And they never gave up. They wanted to be as good as possible. You know, I let one borrow my kayak to go out there and, you know, that, that's the kids that you know are going to do something really great in this fishing world. The yeah. ones that just don't give up and they absolutely love it. And you can pick those out pretty quick. I'm not saying they're all like that. You know, they all just are in it just to be in it. You know, yeah. a lot of them are very, very good. But I would really like for a lot of them to understand, you know, how to drive a boat better, how to do certain things better on the water. Because there aren't a lot of there are a lot of problems with parents sometimes not teaching their kids or even the parents do not know. Yeah. You know, so I mean, but I, I loved it. I loved every little piece of it. Matter of fact, my kids did not have to buy their jerseys. I had sponsors that took care of that. They didn't even have to pay for any of the tournaments. I had that taken care of also through through sponsors. And so, I mean, we had a we had a very good year. And I believe That's that awesome. they learned a lot. So I think uh, when you the it's like we're trying to create addicts where a lot of organizations are trying to break people from being addicts. Right. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and you're only going to get a small fraction uh, of of kids and in, in the youth like getting addicted to this because it's not for everybody. But I think the things that they learn along the way, there's a lot of life lessons that they will take forever with them. So even if they aren't fishing in the next year or five years, they're going to take some of those things that you talked about, whether or not that's respect or integrity or some sort of loyalty to your, to your comrades, whatever the case may be, those are going to be lessons. And I think that just grows the industry of life because there's so much of that that's needed uh, within the younger, within the younger crowd. The other thing is, is uh, the younger crowd, they are better than us. Like in the competitive side, a, they can see better so they can see <laughs> for facing sonar better. Uh, everything is tailored to uh, being user-friendly for the, for the youth. And so old guys, like old guys and gals, like we're struggling to keep up. So if you can hang in there with the young ones, then you knew you know, you're doing something right. Um, and, and I think, you know, just going back to like, Growing the industry 
it's everyone has their own definition of it. There's not like one definition of growing the industry. And I think tournament angling is a very small fraction of yeah. that. And I do want to say like, yeah. oh, I must just spill coffee everywhere. We do have, <laughs> I know we have some young folks that listen, you know, Kieran was on the show as a high school BSS angler to talk about his journey into that. If you're listening to this and you hear Stephanie talk about the kids that are out there at the pond, you know, when they don't need to be, they're out there fishing, they're just trying to hone their skills. Fishing as a sport is the same as any other sport. You need to spend time doing that. You need to practice flipping. You need to practice pitching. The people that are really good, if you want to equate it to another sport, think about basketball. The kid that's in his yard at his hoop shooting free throws, 100 free throws a night before he goes to bed. If you're the kid in your backyard pitching 100 times into a coffee cup, you're honing those skills to make yourself better. And and like like Stephanie pointed out, there's a drive just like any sport with fishing. If you talk to anybody fishing, you know, professionally or, or playing a sport professionally, they're blessed they get to play the sport, but they have that same need that Stephanie talked about at the beginning. Like bass fishing needs to be part of our lives. It's mm-hmm. something we have to do. It's not even that we want to do it. I mean, obviously we want to do it, but it's when you're laying then you're like, man, we need to be on the water. Yeah. Like, what am I doing here? And you're, you know, hooking the boat up to go fish for an hour before it gets dark because mm-hmm. you can and, and things like that. So if you're a kid uh, or a young person or anybody that wants to get into it and you want to get better, there's ways to get better without going out and actually fishing. I, I spend time still, I, I feel like I'm pretty good, you know, pitching and flipping, but I still spend time out in the yard with a mixing bowl or a coffee cup or just keep going smaller and just flipping that thing into there, you know, hundred times a night just to make sure that, that I'm comfortable doing it. So I got to use a hula hoop. Hula hoop. <laughs> <laughs> my, my skills aren't that Make sure you yet. get it in there. But no, that's really I cool. I do the same thing in my living room. I do the same exact thing in my living room yeah. all the time. Do your kids get annoyed you know, you by just, that? You just got to because otherwise you'll just get rusty. Yeah, that's true. So circle back around to young Stephanie, though. You said you started fishing at the age of, would you say two? Yeah, literally at two, uh, at two years old, there's a picture of me. I'd caught actually a three pound bass at two with a Barbie rod and reel. Really? Um, and dad kind of, he figured out real early that this was something that I wanted to do. Cause I, I don't know if it was eight to 10 years old, somewhere, somewhere around there. I don't know. Times like numbers changed based on who you talk to, obviously. But I asked to be a pro fisherman when I was a little girl. Cause he was like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Up. Like you ask every single kid. And I was like, I want to be a pro fisherman. Well, at the time, you know, it was the times were a whole lot different. And he was like, I think you need to pick something else, <laughs> which was probably, I probably should have followed that. But um, it was always still in my head, no matter what. And, you know, it just like I said, I, I absolutely love it. And I could not see me doing anything else at all. Like if there was one thing somebody said, hey, what do you want? You could be anything. What would you want to do? I wouldn't change a single thing. I would still be fishing with MPFL, do everything that I've done because everything has been a learning experience to get me right where I'm at right this second. So did did you grow up in in Texas? Yes, I did. I grew up in Texas. Uh, I've been all over the place. I'm a veteran myself. Army Um, was in Korea for a while. So Korea. Did you uh, you fish in Korea? I did not fish in Korea. I did not. I wish I would have going back now. I wish I would have, but you know, I was there. Then I was at Fort Bragg for a little bit and now I'm back in Texas. I don't ever really see me living, leaving here because my dad's here. He's my best friend and my fishing partner. And you know, I can't see me not fishing with them on Sam Rayburn every weekend when I get a chance. So, so we, we left that information out. So you served in the, in the, in the military. Yes, that's correct. What you what like what branch of service and and what skill Army, set? 
Army. I was E442 Alpha Human Resource Specialist. And okay. That's not actually what I went in for, but that's what I ended up doing. Oh, so. they, they always get you like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wait a minute. Me. You're saying the Army will change what you sign on the dotted line to do? No. I mean, oh, yeah. So everything is yeah. everything. We all know it's all it's needs of the Army. And, and Ben, I think he even just said it. it's needs of the Army. Wherever they need you, you're, you're going to go and do it if mm-hmm. if you have the ability to do it. So so you joined like what age did you join? I actually joined when I was 20. OK, um, I actually had a full scholarship cheerleading at Angelina College. I did that. And I actually left that to go to the military. Um, when I sat there and looked at my life, I was like, okay, everybody, in my family is working for family. I can already see my whole future in front of me. Mm. And I wanted to see the world. I wanted to do things different. I wanted to find my own way. And I think it was the best thing I could have ever done because I left a girl and I came back a woman, mm. you know, an adult that who could take care of herself, who, you know, was organized. I mean, I saw life in a totally different way. And I, I honestly wish a lot more people or kids, high schoolers would go to the military and only because you get to actually see real life. You actually have to go listen to somebody else, no matter what, tell you exactly what they want and how they want it done. And you can't say, no, you got to go do it. You know how it was. Yeah. Um, I can, I remember getting off the bus with a blindfold on, holding everything I had, run, run, run. That's they're just screaming at you just to run. And you're like, where do you want me to run to? I can't even see anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, you couldn't see anything, but yet you were supposed to be running. That's when we first, you know, I first got there and I was scared to death. I mean, I was scared. Yeah. I really was. I bought a brought a blow dryer with me. I do not know why I brought makeup, but I did bring makeup. I think they threw all that away in front of me. <laughs> And said, you won't need this anymore. Okay. Whatever you say. Because, I mean, they were scary. Now I'm sitting here thinking back. They really weren't scary at all. Because they really wouldn't have done anything to us. Except mm. for a lot of push-ups, I think. Yeah. Or roll around on the ground. But <laughs> I'm telling you, it made me grow up and appreciate things. Uh, yeah, that sense of appreciation is is a real thing. And, you know, there are mm-hmm. there are some uh, young adults that, that grow up and, and don't need the military. They don't need that. That, uh, you know, that structure and stuff like that. But if you're trying to break out of the shat, like the shadow of a family business, and I know this for a lot of my friends who, you know, did join the military and and some of them have those same examples, like, you know, I could have easily taken over my dad or mom's construction business or towing service or whatever. And I did see my future already like set in stone. And I wanted to break out from out underneath the shadow of my mom and dad's like, you know, small business or whatever. So it's a great way to do it. I mean, there's plenty of avenues outside of that, but uh, I know our, I know our friend Josh Watkins uh, who also fishes with you would, you know, need that story along because the army is obviously pushing a a good message using the MPFL as well. What were you going to say, Pete? I was just going to say like kudos for recognizing that at 20 years old, because a lot of, you know, a lot of kids, people don't, don't understand, don't see that. And that's, that's what a lot of, you know, I'm not saying you needed it at the time, but a lot of people need that kind of life experience if they never had it. And, and to be able to recognize that just shows, you know, the, the way that you think and the, like the type of person that you are. And that's, that's awesome. So I think it's really cool that you joined, joined at 20, you got to see the world. Uh, you came back, you, you know, still doing the fishing and now, you know, I want to jump into the MPFL cause now you're going to get to see the country and fish a bunch of different bodies of water. So, yep. yeah. So, um, like I said, we talked about, uh, 
you know, your journey, your fishing, where you've been, you fish the Toyos, you fish the BFLs, you fished uh, the Opens, uh, fish the LBA. Are you still fishing the LBA or you have you stepped away? No, with the... no. Actually, I only fished one of them last year. I okay. uh, went to Bull Shoals. Absolutely loved Bull Shoals. Did really, really well there. And that was the only one that I fished because I had such a busy schedule last year. My, our schedules, it, you know, it was a conflict. So, yeah. Um, and actually, they, this is their last year. As far as I know right now, they are up for sale. Okay. You know, so if anybody's listening, LBAA is up for sale. Um, so if nobody buys it, I don't know if there will be an LBAA anymore. I can't really oh, speak Oh, man. On. Well, before, but, we, before we talk MPFL in depth, you know, I did a little research prior to the show. And, and I saw some of the, the, the subgroups that are underneath the LBAA, like the Indiana Bass Girls, I think it is. And, and they got like multiple tournament circuits that run and they're anywhere between 15 and 30 uh, um, anglers in each of those clubs. So, you know, that, that will be kind of a shame if they, they do shut down because that is a platform when we talk about like getting into the industry and like just building that camaraderie and that cohesion, those local bass clubs are the grassroots of what we do. This is the whole reason I'm here right now, like talking this and I know Pete and, and Ben both you know, fish local club stuff. So I did see they, they even have a Sam Rayburn on their 2023 schedule this year. I think it's next month, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think that's somebody that they fall under the LBAA, right? Yeah. I don't know which one it is, but yes, they've actually been to Sam Rayburn a few times. Mm -hmm. um, it's just always been a conflict for yeah. me. Um, I would love mm -hmm. to be there, and I told them whenever I get a chance that I will be there. Yeah, and I have awesome. an open schedule. So, yeah. so what... <laughs> You know, you, you were fishing, obviously, the BFLs, the Toyota Series. You fished the Opens. And then this year, you know, you made the jump into uh, joining the NPFL and fishing that. So just what was your thought process or what kind of led you into fishing with that organization versus sticking with some of the others? Well, you know, number one, the $100,000. Mm. I mean, there's there's not there's not Good a lot morning. of tournament series that even offers 100000 that you don't have to. I mean, obviously, you don't have to qualify this yet you know, for the MPFL yet, but I believe it may be that way in the future. They have not told that to me, but I could see that probably in the future. And I actually wanted to get in on it while I could get in, mm -hmm. because I know this year we only had, I think we have 75 now. We only have 75 and whoever is with them this year automatically gets an invite for next year. And I can pretty much guarantee that there will be a waiting list for next year. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure I'm already on that list. Yep. Was I 100% ready for it? I don't know. I don't know if anybody's ever 100% ready, to be honest, because it's it's very, very different. It's like, you know, the lights are turned off and all of a sudden you turn them on and, you know, it's just different. Yep. I don't I don't know how to explain it. Um, you know, the opens, I would have loved to go fish all nine opens and I could have, but it just... You know, I weighed my options between Toyota, the Opens, and the NPFL. NPFL had so much more to offer, you know, if you set everything down side by side. Absolutely, And, yeah. you know, it gives me that avenue, too, because they support working people who work. You know, you can actually go and have a full-time career and do this, too, at the same time. And, you know, that really works for me because unless, you know, you have the partnerships that support you a hundred percent with your fishing, you still have to make money somehow, you know, you have to. And so uh, to me, that's a great Avenue and it brings a lot of different type of people to, you know, the NPFL makes mm -hmm. it open to a lot more different type of people. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we've talked about it at ad nauseum. Yeah. <laughs> um, the MPFL is the working the the working persons circuit. They mm-hmm. support their anglers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about uh, one of our very first episodes we ever did. Uh, it was right after the MPFL announced the hundred thousand dollar prize, and we went around the three of us. If you had to pick right now one series to fish with if you're trying to make a living fishing and i know i picked the npfl i can't remember if everybody did because number one like you said the hundred thousand dollars they were a little late announcing that or there'd have been a waiting list this year Mm -hmm. i believe um two they do such a good job at highlighting their anglers their youtube series is amazing their on the water coverage is really really good uh they're you know they're active on facebook and instagram and all that the highlighting highlighting folks like you said, for, for you as, as somebody that's doing it for a living or, or sliding to even more and more of a full-time fishing role, it, it, was kind of a, it was kind of a hard thing to say no to if you have the opportunity to go do it because of the prize money, because of the exposure, uh, and, and you have to be a little selfish. It, no. That wasn't, that wasn't the, even, the bigger part, and I, I really did not understand this until I got in, that everybody treats each other like family. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll have the tournament director, you know, texting you, hey, is everything good? You feeling okay? You know, everybody treats each other like family. And these anglers treat each other well, too. Mm-hmm. It's not bickering. There's no drama. That You know, there's there's nothing like that. But I, I just, I've really, really enjoyed it. And I, I know that they will go very, very far. They yeah. will. I think the MPFL, you're you're part of making history right now. I think that's a really cool thing to be a part of. You know, the the Bassmaster is never going anywhere. Like Bass BASS will be around forever. That is always a piece of bass fishing history and a lot of where it started. But there's always room for growth, and I think the MPFL has proven like they're part of growing the industry, and they've reached out and and really got in touch with a a different audience that really needs that type of tournament format, like you said, to fish, but also maintain a living, maintain a career and being a tournament angler at the professional level. That's just a, that's just a piece of being a professional angler. There's so much more that goes into it as we know, because for, for everyone, like we met Stephanie at the Bassmaster classic this year, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, event and there is so much work. I would rather fish a three-day tournament, honestly, than run like an event like that. And like just, fit, you know, work in the one cast booth. Like that was phenomenal. We got to meet so many people. But I felt more exhausted working an expo than I do fishing a tournament, you know, and that's just a one-day tournament. So that, you know, that I think you make, you bring up a really good point. Like they're, they're doing something for the people that, they need to maintain a career and still fish competitively. I wanted to ask you, you talked about the lights just turning on and like, it's a whole different set of challenges. What are some of the biggest challenges coming from the opens, the Toyotas, the LBAs? Like what's so different? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I believe some of the best anglers are probably in the opens uh, and probably the best pro tour, which obviously you have to make that to get there. But I believe I am fishing against some of the best anglers in the world right now. Mm-hmm. We have some amazing anglers. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, it's just different. I mean, you have to practice differently. I didn't set my hook for a whole three days when we are at Wright Patman. I really was starting to think I forgot how to set my hook because I wasn't setting my hook, you know, <laughs> on purpose. And, you know, it's just, it's just different the way you practice because you know you have to have three days of fish no matter what, okay? 
if you're not on fish, well, I may have to fish day one, day two, and that's really all I have to worry about, right? And the other series, well, no, this one, you're going to have to fish all three. And so if you don't catch any on day one, well, you know, maybe I can go find some on day one and I'll have some for day two and day three. It's just the way that you have to think about it. You have to have a total different mindset. Yeah. A total di- in, in the way that you carry yourself also, because you never know who's watching you. Right. You never know. Everyone's and, watching you all the time. Yeah. Like you're, you yeah. are forever going to be under a microscope. I mean, even yes. our, even our, even our one cast podcast or the Bass Hub, you're under a microscope. Like you're putting yourself out there for public attention, whether or not that's yes. positive or negative, you're going to get it you know, and you're not going to ask for it, but you're going to get it. So how you respond to that, how you react to that, you're absolutely right. You have to put yourself in a different professional image yes. than, than let's just say, I don't know, the weekend warrior type tournaments down here. I can go fish a Toyota series and you may never know that I would fish it. And I could have fished who knows how many. But you would never know that. If you go fish the NPFL, you're going to know I fished it. You're going to know you know, Josh fish fished it. You're going to see those pictures. They're going to talk about you. They make sure they highlight all anglers. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's one thing I can tell you that is way different from the opens and the Toyota series is that doesn't happen. Yep. Maybe it's happening now with the EQ anglers that is happening for them because they changed everything. And I get that, but it is a very big change from going from the opens and the Toyota series to this, because I could have went and hid in the Toyotas wherever you'd have never known I was there unless I went and won one. Right. Mm-hmm. And here you're going to know I'm there. You're going to know everybody's there, you mm-hmm. know? So you're, I, like you said, all eyes are always on you, no matter how you do. Yep. And, and with that, I want to go back to the mindset change um, because you know, fishing the BFLs and probably to a lesser extent, the open to Toyota series, like you're familiar with the bodies of water, particularly yeah. if you're just doing it in your own region. But now you've got six events all over the country. Right. And so you got to drive mm-hmm. there, no history. Like you, you, t- you talk about it being a completely different mindset, but may- maybe what are a f- two or three ways that you have changed how you have practiced to prepare for, for these type of events? Dude, I start practice way, way, way early looking at Google Earth. I mean, I'm I'm even looking at Google Earth at night in my bed before practice, before the actual practice starts. I do that every night before. You know, I'm, I'm already ordering baits, you know, six weeks ahead of time. Uh, this little book that I have right here, it has all my notes about everything that I even do, what I need. You know, if I hear somebody talk about something, you know, that that's coming up, you know, at Santee Cooper, I write it down. Um, it's just you don't ever stop preparing, I believe. It's just it's constant. Yeah. And I, I, it was really interesting when you brought up practice is different when you're talking about, you know, needing fish for three days. And I think that's one thing yeah. you fish against, you know, local folks that are really good. And they win a bunch of tournaments mm-hmm. and they start they, they all get big shoulders and big heads and start mm-hmm. talking about how. You know, I'm gonna. I could go out there and whoop these guys on the pros if I just had the money, or if I just had this and that. Those guys don't understand having three days worth of fish and conserving no. those fish. And you might have to take a smaller bag two days so you can get that big bag on the third day, knowing that you can't just go in there and hammer those fish on the first day because you need them for the next two. Mm. And and that that for me would be one of the biggest the biggest mentality changes. And then another thing, you're talking about a hundred thousand dollars. That instantly puts more pressure on on you 
I mean, I think about the pressure I put on in club tournaments and oh. local level little tours and stuff where it's a thousand dollars. Take that to a hundred thousand, and you're gonna. I mean, there. No matter who you are, anybody can claim. Oh, that doesn't bother me. That that's something that's sitting in the back of your mind. Like, I need these three fish because I have a shot at, at changing my family's life if I can win one of these. Not, it's not just propelling your career and your name, but you. I mean, a hundred thousand dollars is life changing money for a lot of families, especially people fishing. Because Stephanie and all of us can say we know how that goes. Yeah. Uh, you don't always have the most money. We just kind of try to scrape through to do do what <laughs> yeah. we can. And people aren't sending us free baits and rods yeah. and all kinds of that stuff. You know, we're we're putting our own dollars towards that, and it's it's a strain. Uh, it's a strain on uh, on that extra cash. So that's. That's a whole nother level of stress that comes into the whole, whole Ste- deal. Stephanie has a hundred thousand reasons to change her way of doing business now compared, right. compared to the Toyota <laughs> that, series. That, and that is correct. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to, I'm ahead. so sorry. No, go ahead. I, I'm not going to say, you know, there is, there, there is a whole lot of stress. And I will say the probably biggest stress out of all this, especially switching from paying 1800 to $5,200 a tournament is paying $5,200 a tournament. Yeah. <laughs> and then everything that it costs to get there. Yeah. I think we average, because you know my boat broke down this last tournament, and I think we paid an extra 3000 after gas, lodging, fixing my boat, and you know everything was all said and done, something that we didn't plan to do. And so I think that additional stress while you're there, if your boat is breaking down, let's mm-hmm. say you're hummingbirds you know quit whatever whatever may possibly happen because you can't control anything and if you think you can control it well good for you because you can't (laughs) yeah we talked about anyways just that additional stress of of not possibly having the money to to do it and you really really need to check for your family yeah like but yet i gotta get my boat fixed so (laughs) yeah we talked about uh in our episode which would have been two weeks now, but right after your tournament down there, we, we actually talked about you and the additional stress now of having to fish three days in a boat that isn't yours. And a lot of people might think a boat's a boat, but it's not like if you, you could give me somebody else's boat to go fish a tournament and I'm going to be backwards three ways to Sunday because I won't, (laughs) you know, I'm used to my stuff being where it is. I, you know, we all have our routines, superstitions, whatever you want to call it. There's a a particular way we do things. And, and I say that, to say that's just a nut, like you said, your boat breaking down. Now you're in a new boat that you don't know as well. You're trying to figure things out. You're trying to catch fish on a new body of water. You hadn't set the hook for three days. Um, you know, it's there, there's a lot that goes into that. And and I just want to, I'm going to use this because I got to tell a little story from yesterday. Tell it because I do have I do have a a superstition on Harris. I always launch. Oh, I always launch in, in the one ramp there. That's all the way on the end. On the I beach side? my boat there. Since yeah. I'm usually alone, I launch, I beach my boat, I pull my truck. So I got there in the morning and there was a duck boat that had tied off on the dock there. And I don't know what the kid was doing, but I went, I waited, I got my boat on strapped. He sat there for like 40 minutes, got everything ready. And I backed in as soon as I got in my truck to push the boat off the trailer, he goes, you know, there's three other ramps. And I said, <laughs> we really got to do this first thing in the morning, man. And he's like, well, I was just letting you know there's three other ramps. And I said, well, there's also a courtesy dock right there that you're supposed to tie off to. And then he mumbled something and drove off. But but you, oh. did, you, you didn't drown him, though. No, no. Oh, okay. I, was, I took the high road because the eyes are always on us. The eyes of the ranger are upon you. So that, I mean, that, that go ahead. It's got to be like, you're, if you're 
Well, you said it's a duck boat, so he may not be an angler, so he may not get superstition. I don't know. I don't know what he. He, he also most likely had a shotgun. He was probably <laughs> he was probably trying to plant, so, plant illegal plants out there or something. So, granted, you changed, uh, you know, some of your some of your um, strategies and stuff for practice. Um, have you always kept a a log like you have right now, like a an analog log? Analog, no, I, I haven't. Log. That's something I actually started for for this year because I wanted to be as prepared as possible. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's the reason why I have it. Plus, if I want to go back and look at it ever, yes, it may be in my brain, but I am getting a lot older. And who knows what the heck's going to happen with his brain. So at least <laughs> I have it written down and I can always go back and look for any other time I go yep. back to that later. That's a, very, we, that's a very army thing of you to do, Stephanie. You have your <laughs> army's leader book, right? And everything is dress yeah. right dress in your book, in your boat. So, yeah. but you, you change some things, but what are some of the things that still remain the same for you as you prepare for a three-day national level event versus a one-day derby? Huh. That's a, that's that's a hard question because I've really always have done everything pretty much the same way. It's just mm -hmm. now, you know, I got to prepare for, you know, more days of practice. I got to prepare for more days of the turn of a tournament. You know, I mean, well, it's pr still pretty much the same, really. Well, here's a question then. Mm -hmm. So you've now had two two events, right? Yeah, because Santee will be the third one. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to change for the next one? Like, what have you learned in these last two to Stay with what you know. Mm -hmm. Just because you see other people doing it, that may not be right for you. Yeah. And, you know, I will I will say on Wright Patman, you know, I had a frog tied on the whole time I was there. I saw somebody throwing it on day one, midway through the day. And I'm like, ding, ding, ding. I freaking love throwing a frog. If you're from Sam Rayburn, you throw a frog, okay? <laughs> it's just one of those things that you do because you catch big fish. And so... You know, uh, so I started throwing a frog and I caught that 502 on a toe thumper. Anyways, so I was doing everything I wasn't comfortable with before that, though, is what I'm saying. You know, yeah. just because, well, this is what you do here and you see everybody doing certain things. But that doesn't mean it has to work for me. Mm -hmm. I can see somebody throwing a glide bait. But does that mean that I need to be throwing one? Not necessarily, because I can probably go catch big fish on something else as, as well. Amen. You know, yes. I no. can't catch another person's fish. I say it all the time. No. And no. fish your strengths. When people ask me all the time, they're like, what? Well, you know, we'll get messages or some people like, hey, we're coming coming down to that area and going to fish Jordan Lake. You know, what should we do? And I'm like, well, what do you like to do? Yeah. yeah. Well, I like to fish a jig. Yeah. All right, well, look for this, and this is what you should yeah, do. fish, fish a, jig. a jig. I'm not going to go out there. I might go out there and smash them on a glide bait, but I'm not going to tell you to do that because I don't know, one, do you have them? Do you know how to fish them? You know what? So yeah, fishing your strength. And I, I need that advice because a lot of times I'll, I'll get to running around and somebody will tell me this is how they're catching them. And, uh, yeah. especially on a multi-day tournament, if you have a rough day one, you know, and you start talking to your buddies and they're like, well, I've been doing this and it's been working. And the next thing you know, the next morning you're out there doing something that you're not really super confident with and you're not getting bit. And you're like, I don't understand. It's cause you're, we, we talked about it all the time. Confidence and fishing is such a big part of fishing. And it is doing yeah. what you're comfortable with so i think that's that's great a great piece of advice for anybody listening and and hopefully uh hopefully you're able to uh to do that in the yeah, next one i'm I'll sure you at will pickwick, at pickwick that was my main problem right there that was my first event yes i, I was a tad nervous but it's kind of funny because usually when i'm nervous i don't sleep at night and i slept great while i was there <laughs> i don't know if i was tired of what or i already knew that was going to be a bad event for me who knows but i did 
you know, I didn't even really do what I practiced. Well, mm -hmm. I did the day one, but then I totally changed what I was doing on day two. Mm -hmm. And I went and fished at the dam for a while. I have no idea what I'm doing down there. Okay. I should never have <laughs> even been down there. I'm not going to lie. We don't, I don't fish a lot of stuff like that. Yep. And I'm having to learn. There's still a tons of things I'm having to learn. I'm not going to say I went into this knowing every single thing because I don't think anybody does. You know, I'm still one person who turns off their electronics to go fishing. If I'm fishing shallow, I won't even have anything on whatsoever. Yeah. There's oh, yeah. no oh, reason yeah. to. I'm the same way. Yeah. You did, know, but I'm still that person. We're, nope. I'm trying to remember. You, did You got caught up in that whole lock debacle, didn't you, at, at Pickwick? No, on the first I did no? not. Well, okay. okay, I did during practice because I was going to fish there during practice. Okay. We found out very quickly. Okay, I'm going to go back. Okay, I fished a TikTok tournament. It was like 21 anglers yep. were picked to go fish the TikTok tournament. I was one of those. Me and Harvey Horn fished together. We yep. came in fifth on Wilson. So I knew where the fish were at Wilson. But we went and practiced there. Me and a few other guys, my roommates, went and practiced there. And we got stuck over there during practice. So we already knew that they were going to have a problem. So we didn't go back to where we knew there were fish because we knew we wouldn't get back. You know? And we told a few people, but it still happened. And I really hate that for everybody. But... You know, it is, and unfortunately, when you're when you're having to lock, I mean, it's just like that. Unfortunately. Yeah, and I remember I asked that because I remembered somewhere, and I think it was one of your tournament yeah. recaps. You had mentioned that you had practiced up there, and you knew you knew what yeah, was going on with the fish, and then you kind of found that whole monkey wrench, and it got thrown in, and you you changed plans in the eleventh hour, and that's a tough thing to do. Uh, you know, when you when you have an idea, yeah, and you're it didn't confident. work. My, my plans didn't work. They my plans didn't even close to work. Not even close. You know, that was, that was a very hard hit for me. I, you know, people listening, I did zero all three days. I hate it. I know people look back on that when I should hear blah, blah, but I'll go ahead and tell y'all exactly what Dakota Eber told me because I was very upset about all this. And you honestly think you don't belong somewhere once this happens, right? You don't believe you belong. Dakota Eber told me, you are going to get knocked, your, your teeth knocked out over and over and over if you fish tournaments. You know, th that's just how it is until you start getting your footing. And eventually it's all going to come together. You know, we all have a first for everything. You have the fir a first when you first start fishing BFLs. You got a first when you start fishing the Toyotas. You got a first when you start fishing the NPFL. You're going to be a rookie a lot in your life unfortunately. And yep. it takes a little bit sometimes to get your footing and eventually yep. that will happen, but you got to be patient about it and work your butt off until it happens. It's like, it's like a, it's like a new house being built. It takes years yes. for it to settle. Right. But once it yes. does, it's finally sturdy and it has some good bones and it mm -hmm. lasts for a long time, depending on who built it, by the way. Uh, but that's the way I look at it. Like, you know, my fishing partner, a lot of times he would hang his head low after a, a one-day tournament, and I'm like, listen, we just fished against Mike Corbishley, Jesse Wise, uh, several people that are on professional events, and we're sitting seventh in the points out of 150 anglers right now in the year, and I feel pretty wow. proud of that. It's not about the money. It's about when is my foundation going to be settled to where now my bone structure is good enough to where I can compete at a higher level, and and, and if you, if yeah. you look – because – I think we talked about it at the classic, like everyone's like, oh, you just got to be positive. You just got to be positive or you just got to hunt the good stuff or what's your love language? Find out what your love language is. Well, here's the thing, like positive mental attitude. It's a great thing to tell somebody, but nobody knows how you do it. 
Yep. So each angler, each person in the world is has their own version of it. And once you figure that out, like go ahead and let I, us know because we're still hunting for that yeah. stuff. So. Oh, no, I, I figured it out. Oh, you did? Oh, here we go. <laughs> Here's one of Ben's. Is it, does it have to do with chat GPT? <laughs> no, you just got to catch a fish. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you guys have been there. You've gone yeah. all day without a fish. And as yep. soon as you catch a fish, your mood changes like yeah. that. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Easier said than done. Sure. But, um, you know, it's one of those, you know, you catch one fish and then you're still a negative attitude. And then, then, then you're probably going to have some more issues along the way. But. Yeah, you just gotta catch a fish and everything turns right. You're right. I can't tell you how correct you are about that because right, Patman, as y'all know, my boat broke down. I was in somebody's borrowed boat on day one, and then Harvey Horn drove five and a half hours south to bring me his boat for day two and day three. So I was in two different boats. And I'll say on day one, because it's not my boat, I didn't know where everything was at. I forgot a lot of my stuff too in my yeah. own boat, so I didn't have everything. I literally had like a little mental little breakdown in the boat. Nobody would know that except for me, but it did happen. And I literally had to get it out of me and say what I needed to say to myself. And literally the next 30 minutes after picking up that frog, I caught that 502 and I was fine. Yeah. I was like, you know, at least, at least I did better than the last, the last tournament. Right. I'm already doing better. I got this little thing out of me. And that one fish changed my whole entire attitude. And I never had another breakdown after that. We, uh, we've did. all been there. I remember last year. Yeah, a, a lot of people want to admit it, though. A no. lot of people want to admit how mentally hard it is. It is. And I, I, I've, I've talked about it here. I'll talk about it again. I had a tour. Uh, it was a two or three day tournament last year. And on day one, I could not keep fish pinned. It's not that I wasn't getting bites, but I kept losing fish at the boat. I'd set the hook two head shakes they'd be gone and i couldn't understand i'm changing hooks i know my hooks are good and i it was on gopro the footage is long gone now but i had a, a hissy fit throwing stuff screaming cussing wanting to drive my boat over a dam somewhere and <laughs> i actually text i actually texted destin who's, who's a friend of ours and and i was like man you know you've been fishing at a high level you've been to the elites like how do you get past this and and he he you know he gave me a little advice and it's basically what you said you just have to have that moment and then you have to get back to doing, and then one thing turns around. I think I did the same thing. I threw that hissy fit. I hit him up. I ate a sandwich, and then I caught like a three-and-a-half-pounder about four minutes later, and then everything kind of changed for me. I I still, I think, I only weighed one fish that day, but at least I went into it saying, well, you know, I did a little bit better than last time. It's all about learning, and that we've talked about it a bunch, and, and we have you to help confirm that. I think the mental side of fishing, tournament fishing, and the higher level you get is the hardest thing to learn. Yeah, the the mental side of it, like you and Pete just said it, like you confirmed, like it's you know it's a challenge, but like we all gotta, I think we all gotta have a breakdown at some point and and make ourselves vulnerable to saying like I suck, what's going on? Like I gotta get back into it. Like something's gotta get me right. And Ben made a good point. Just catch a fish. We all know we can catch fish. We've been doing it for years. We just. It, it builds your confidence to get back into that mindset. Like I belong here. I feel like there's a couple keys here that mm -hmm. we talked about. One, you said, do what you're comfortable doing, fish your strengths. Ben brought up, catch a fish. Trey, you brought up, keep going. Like keep going. if you're not comfortable with what's going on, you're not catching fish. Anybody that's listening, you got to be willing to change and change and do what you are comfortable doing and go try to catch a fish doing what you're comfortable doing. And then you can build off of that. Yeah. And uh, you do belong stephanie trust me you belong uh you belong where you're at you didn't get there by accident and, and we had you no. know 
Josh has said the same thing. Like I question whether I belong, you know, belong here or not. Uh, should I be fishing at this level? And you don't get there without having the skill set and being able to, because like you said, it is an application process to the MPFL. Yeah. And even though they were a little bit lower in where they hope to be on angler numbers, they're not just going to take anybody. Yeah, like you have a, a resume to back that up, to support, you know, support where you're fishing and, and, uh, I'm looking forward to, to watching the learning process because it is, it's, it's something that intrigues me because it's something that someday I hope to be able to chase and yeah. hopefully learning. And, you know, Harvey's a guy that I learned a lot from zeroing. Cause he was like, he, he talked about zeroing his, the, the first time he zeroed an elite event. And he was like yeah. in shambles and Lulu, uh, who's uh, Gerald Swindle's wife gave him some advice. And, and that's, I think that's, you talked about how good the, the fellow anglers, and everything are at the MPFL. I think when you get to the elites or the BPT, all of those folks that are fishing at a high level in those professional tournament series understand the sacrifice and the work that gets there, and they treat people far differently than they do at a local level mm-hmm. or even at the BFL, the Toyota series level. Um, well, yeah. Well, that's you bring up a really good point at the BFL, that you know the Toyota series level, the whatever, right, the local level. I don't feel, this is just my opinion, I don't feel there is much of a relationship there with everyone because it's it's everyone's going to, chase, can I win, you know, $2,500, $5,000, whatever for that weekend. Um, you already mentioned at the MPFL level, like the camaraderie and stuff. Learning, is that something that everyone is really good at, uh, passing off information and educating each other at the MPFL? Uh, at the MPFL, yes. Uh, yes, but I'm going to say at the other levels, the lower levels, no. You know, it's, it's your for yourself pretty much. I will say this, and I learned this last year with the opens is surround yourself with a small number of people that you all can share information with. It makes life so much easier and it makes it easier to break down a lake too, as well. You know, Harvey was part of that circle that I was in and he taught me very quick, you know, don't have a big circle. You know, you only share with a very small group, but you need that small group. Uh, not only, you know, for the fishing part, but for the mental part too, as well, because I'll say the mental part, as we have already discussed, is probably the toughest part of fishing. The guys that are mentally, you know, good, that they always have a good mindset. For some reason, that negativity never creeps into their mind. I don't know how they get that way, mm-hmm. how they're freakishly positive all the time. But those are the guys that are always really good. And that's always pretty much going to be successful, I believe, you know, because that, I don't know, when those bad negative thoughts starts creeping in your head, it will change everything that you Mm -hmm. do. You'll start reeling faster. You'll start doing things a total different way. And you may not be making the right decisions either. You know, how long should I be staying on one spot versus should I have already left? Yeah. Do you feel the uh, the anglers that have the extreme positive positivity and the and the ones that don't let that negativity creep into themselves are they more seasoned or are they newer anglers into the professional realm? I think they're they're both. Yeah. I mean, they're both. I'm not going to say it's you know it's some you know rookies. It's some you know seasoned guys that's been around for a long time. I think you're probably that person coming into it. I don't think, I think it's something that has been learned over time and you've probably been that way for a while. You probably were taught that as a kid too, as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, and it probably all depends on who you have around you because we all know if you have 
negative Nancy right beside you, <laughs> most likely that's going to come off on you also. No, no, you know? no, no pun intended for all the Nancys out there. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> you know, I feel bad. I, I feel bad for Nancys and I feel bad for Karens and, and I don't know where those came from, but I also say I the either. same. <laughs> It's but, a great name, y'all. You know, maybe, and maybe some people are positive because they have so much scar tissue from the past of being negative that they know mm-hmm. it really doesn't get them anywhere. Um, and yeah, and t- yeah. can you talk about the small group? And, and you're not the first angler to say this. Like, we've had several anglers say that, and especially the mental side. I think it was Mike or Destin that we had on, even maybe both of them. Like having that small crew to travel with, to bounce ideas off from, to to breaking down bodies of water, or just you know what, needing a a dang shoulder to cry on when you need to cry, because we all get there. Um, who's in your crew, if you don't mind? Uh, we got we got Mitch Elsie. You know he's he's in PFL angler also. He had to wear a pink tutu. No, yeah. no, I had to wear the tutu. He had to wear the pink cowboy hat because we have we have bets in our inside our house. Okay? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna, we were going to get um, into luckily, that. I had to ask about the bets. <laughs> yeah, luckily I I didn't I didn't lose this these bets this time. Okay, but anyways, I have him. I have Adam Savage uh, as well, uh, and then we have Will Colley who just travels with us. He does Will on the water for for Bass Hub. Okay. He kind of gives updates throughout the day and whatnot. So he's there too as well. Um, it's a lot easier to talk to Will. He's not fishing with us just because he's more kind of willing to listen. You know, if I need to gripe to somebody, because I'm not going to gripe to the other guys. I don't want to bring my negativity on them. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But I will say within the group, you know, you all got to equally share information. It can't be more one-sided than the other side. So, you know, and, so he's yeah. not Dr. Phil. He's Dr. Will. Yeah, Dr. Will. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Hey, that's awesome. And and he doesn't have yeah. any bias towards the situation, right? Because he's not out there competing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, part of my group, which he's not always with me. Y'all hear me talk about Harvey all the time. Right. Harvey Horn. He's like my brother. That's how I look at him. I will say every day when I get off the water, he's probably the first person before my dad that I call. Mm-hmm. And usually... You know, it's to talk about what happened that day. And I kind of get out my thoughts without, without him even saying anything. So, you know, it, it you know, yeah, I don't know. He just listens and he's already been through so much, especially mm-hmm. being on the elites. He can already kind of tell me, hey, you know, you either need to change your train of thought or you need to start doing something different or he'll call me out on my BS, basically. Mm-hmm. And and I like that because I like p- having people around me that's going to be truthful to me. And when yeah. I'm doing something stupid, freaking tell me, yeah. you know, I'm having to learn like a lot of people are. I'm not going to be perfect. That's that's a fact. I want to circle back around to how the relationship started with Harvey. But I know, Pete, you want to talk about some of the little internal betting and stuff that yeah, goes on so, with angler housing. So, you know, we had the tutu <laughs> and the cowboy hat. So what what are the bets? Uh, you know, what kind of bets are we seeing on these uh, these deals? Oh, well, I guess y'all probably want to know how the tutu happened. Yeah, uh, I did oh, yeah. see Harvey a picture of the tutu. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to think where Harvey was at, but he was he was somewhere. I can't even remember now. And whoever caught the most weight, the other person lost, obviously, and had to wear a tutu. So he was going to have to wear a tutu. And he had only caught, like, 22 pounds, I think, in two days. And, and obviously, I get three days. And I was like, I can do that easy, <laughs> you know, right before I went to Pickwick. And I was already on my way to Pickwick. I was already picking out tutus for him, mm. like, literally. Yeah. Some of them had lights. 
Some of them, I, I don't even want to tell you what all it was, but <laughs> anyway, I was already picking them out. I was sending it to his wife and him. I'm like, I'm going to get this one. I'm about to order it. Yeah, that's, that's, don't ever do that. Anyways. Well, so, and so, so here's the deal with that. If you would have won the tournament, that's the most confidence in the world. And that's, the, that, that's legendary right there. But yeah, when you <laughs> yeah. don't do as well. Then you got to rethink it. Maybe I should, you know. Yeah, I'm not a legend in this situation. I can tell you that. So <laughs> it was it was pretty bad because we had just gotten in from Pickwick, and obviously I had the worst tournament I've ever had ever. And I was really really down on myself. I was getting some rest. I hadn't even got up out of bed. My husband walks in. He was like, "Hey, get this out of this bag." And I pull it out, and it looks like a freaking Mardi Gras puked all over this thing. I mean, or. <laughs> tinsel off a Christmas tree. That's the other thing it looked like. And I was like, I can't wear that. And him and Harvey got together and picked this joker out. Mm. <laughs> oh, like it was just, I mean, it was hideous. Like it, they couldn't have done any worse. And, you know, I had to wear it on day two at Wright-Patman, you know, uh, just during the weigh-in, Harvey finally gave in and said, I didn't have to wear it all three days. And then it went to, you have to just wear it one whole day and through the uh, weigh-in, and then it just became a weigh-in. Man, they really worked with you on that bet. Yeah. I would have totally made yeah. to wear it the whole time. I mean, I saw it. It, it was That was the right thing to do. <laughs> I would have felt bad making anybody wear yeah, that like, thing for the whole day. Yeah, yeah. It, it, just, ugh, it just, it was horrible. I actually left it in Harvey's truck. <laughs> so is it I up here in North in, Carolina? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I left it. So when he brought his boat down to me, you know, I rode with him every day. He got, to, you know, pull up with me. He drove the truck. And as soon as I took that joker off, I threw it in his back seat because I knew he'd never find it again. Until <laughs> one day, that joker was going to be back there. His back seat's but that messy, huh? <laughs> I, I, I won't disclose that. Yeah. Pleading the fifth on that one. <laughs> so, I know I, Chelsea had asked me about that yesterday because – uh, she she went and did a media ride along with Harvey. He's up here practicing for the open, and yep. yeah. she said, "Make sure you ask about the bet." So I wanted to make sure we get yeah. in there because that and I did. I saw the weigh in, and that was that was hideous. So they did a good job picking out the worst possible tutu they could have. Yeah, yeah. got worse. Does does a banana ever come up as oh, a man. bet in a conversation in the house? No, but Trey, that you is, are obsessed with that. It. I am possibly a, that is possibly a good one. That may be the next one in the house. I because think so. If you have the lowest weight, you have to carry a banana. In your there life. you go. Thank you. I'd Make to, sure yeah. you tag the one cast on that I'd one. I'd have to quit fishing. Oh, I will. oh I man. Will. I, you know, that's always something that uh, I'm just, I always have a banana in the boat and I don't tell my partner about it. Mm -mm. Uh, and, you know, I catch fish. So I'm just, I don't think, but there are some times where I think a banana definitely hinders me. And I was supposed to carry the pink flamingo around this year, but I think she went flat. So I don't know where she's at. But, um, yeah, that, that would be a cool bet for sure. And uh, maybe we can do some stuff like that too here at the One Cast Cruise. So do some do some good bets. Pete and I, we went out and did a, a little friendly derby. Uh, and, I, and I think those things are healthy. Those are really healthy for, yeah. um, for a group. We do that too. Yeah, a group of anglers like doing those little competitions amongst each other, those little bets and stuff like that keeps us honest and it just keeps the sense of humor around because if everyone's smiling, like it's a happy house. Is that something that you get? Do you guys all travel and, and do the, the Airbnb? Well, thing together or how's that work yeah so so we do the airbnb thing together actually they came down here to sam rayburn since we were going to have a texas tournament we were going to have a little 
pre-tournament tournament mm-hmm. and within the house. So we all went our own way on Sam Rayburn. We were going to check in at four o'clock, see who had the most pounds, whoever won. Congrats. And they had to actually say all this on TikTok, who won? Mm-hmm. Well, I won. I should have won because I'm from here. And so then we went to Welch the next day and did the same exact thing. And uh, none of us had ever been there. Um I, I kind of won that one too. Uh, <laughs> and then they were saying, you just wasted all your good luck. <laughs> Two days in a row, you know? And then we had the whole uh, pink cowboy hat with, I don't know if it was a pink horse, I guess. You had to put the pink horse on your boat where your seat would have, you know, goes in and wear a pink cowboy hat on the stage, whoever had the least weight. Mm-hmm. And so, luckily, I didn't have to do that one either because that would have been horrible along with my horrible skirt I had to wear. I like it. To keep that stuff up, um, let's talk Harvey Horn for a minute. Yeah. How did that start? I'm an open book. How did did that start between uh, between Um, you and Harvey? Actually, I I, I fished against his sister, Pam Mm -hmm. Horn. She's a heck of an angler. She fishes the LBAA, and she's a very, very good angler. And I was introduced to him through her and he let's say the classic uh, a couple years ago he walked around with me introduced me to people knew I didn't know a lot of people and he was he's just that type of dude he'll introduce anybody you know is nice to everybody and we just started just becoming really good friends and we started rooming together a little bit and we like you know like I told you he fished the fish talk frenzy with me as well we fished the Brandon belt tournament that one that comes around here once a year, we fish that together. Um, he'll come down here and we'll go fish Rayburn. Uh, he is just somebody I really look up to, mm-hmm. you know, just, just as an individual, just because the way he treats everybody, because everybody that's listening, people won't remember a lot about you, but they will remember how you treat them. Yes, right. Always, mm-hmm. you know, and he goes out of his way to do things for people. And so I, I found out really quickly if I wanted to, you know, be like one individual person, it would, I would like to be a lot like him. Mm-hmm. And we also fish a lot alike. Yeah. Um, we don't do a lot of things differently. And we figured that out when we started fishing together. Mm-hmm. And so we fish well together. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much old Harvey for you. Have you have you got to hear about the yurt that he's staying in? With, <laughs> oh with a, yeah, Rich is another friend that. of mine. Rich Ortiz, another good guy, fished the opens, yeah. and I found out they were staying in a yurt together. And yes, they are. I've heard all about it. <laughs> I had all kinds of questions. <laughs> if you know Rich Ortiz, a yurt is the most Rich Ortiz thing that I've ever heard in my life. So it just made sense. But um, <laughs> Pete, what's a yurt? Yeah. What's a, a yurt? It's like a round it's like a tent. yeah it's like Wait, a round tent a with a round roof i guess like kind of yeah. like a, a white man's teepee well <laughs> i guess i don't know it looks like a coffee yeah, no cup bathroom. yep and then you just put a little roof on top of it and they're and, yeah. and harvey and him are staying in there harvey and rich ortiz are yurting it up for the open this week so well <laughs> you know what i you know like harvey is uh you know somebody like that would be a mentor you know or yes. what you should do is get him a drill sergeant hat because sometimes you need him to be your drill sergeant and just tell you exactly how it is, right? I think that, that, yeah, that's that's very true. I, I, I think, think that's a good I think that's a good bet too. Like Harvey has to wear a drill sergeant hat around. If uh, well, I think in this <laughs> in this fishing world to begin with, it's not very big, but you you need to have mentors, not mm-hmm. necessarily idols or anything like that, but mentors that you do look up to that may have experienced a lot more than you. You mm-hmm. know and. He, uh, he obviously has done that, he, and he's a great angler. His wife is even more amazing. Yes. She's absolutely wonderful. 
you know, I look at them as my family and it doesn't matter what happens in my life. Even if it has nothing to do with fishing, I can always count on either one of them. Yep. yep. Ronna so. called yesterday when they were out on the water and she FaceTimed Harvey and she said, how's my baby doing? He said, oh, I'm doing all right. And she goes, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's just a, a brief how she is. She's great. And I've yeah. told these guys, um, about Harvey's wife and like, I'm like, she's like the best person you'll yeah. ever meet. Not that Harvey's not, but his wife is, is yeah. amazing. That, the whole family's like yeah. that. I mean, yeah. they're, they're all like that. They're and just great people. Just, yeah, they are. Very and then, so. and then between the two of you, you guys created the Bass Hub. Well, actually I created the Bass Hub. Okay. Um, when I first started it, it was just me and I wanted to do things a lot different. I didn't want to be like everybody else. I didn't want to just interview the top anglers. I wanted to interview people with a story. Mm -hmm. And because I think that's more interesting. Not everybody always wants to hear what type of rods do you use? What lines do you, line do you use? What blah, blah, blah. I mean, it gets to be a broken record. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sorry it does. And yeah. so I wanted something different. And so that's, that's what I did. And as I went through, I kept on thinking I need somebody else on here with me for when we don't have anybody on. This person and I can sit here and just talk to each other, talk about experiences, talk about kind of what went on during the tournaments and et cetera. And Harvey just seemed like the best fit to me mm -hmm. because we have such a good, strong, you know, friendship that I couldn't see doing this with anybody else because like I said, he'll put me in line when I need it and I'll do the same with him. I'll tell him about two seconds. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but, but we're nice to each other in a way that, you know, yes, we're blunt and we'll, we'll tell each other how it is, but we're nice to each other. Yeah. You know, and I, I don't know. It just, it just really works out. He sees things like we say all kinds of stuff on there, yeah. you know, I mean, we, we talk about my coffee can every so often that I accidentally peed in his boat when I was borrowing his boat for two days. You know, I mean, we, we talk about those type of stuff. And I told him it was kind of funny because this really did happen. I had flipped over. I missed a fish. And I was like, you know, I'm going to flip back over there. And I really got to use the bathroom. I was by myself. Sorry, y'all. This is part of being a human being. That's right. Women do it a little different. You got to hang over sometimes. So I was doing that. And I get a bite. I'm still holding my rod. I get a bite. So I have to set my hook. As I'm using the bathroom, well, that's just a cluster of its own right there. I bet. And so, yeah, so in trying to stop peeing and pulling up my pants at the same time, there's possibility something may got on this floor. And I apologize for that. <laughs> but I told him when he wins, he better thank me. I said, you don't have to say what you're thanking me for. I said, but that pee may have just given you some really good luck. <laughs> that's right. Here's here's the dipping glow that you get on your car. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing my note down here to remember to splice that up for a short because that's going all over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's going all like, over like dipping glow. I, yep. I told him, I said, yeah, you better like just say, Stephanie, thank you for that little gift that you left me in my boat. That's right. <laughs> because of you, I just want to open. And that's I'm going awesome. To the classic. That is awesome. So, but, but you took, but you turned around and took that boat around on Wright Patman, didn't you? Yes, I did. Yes, yes. you did. Yes. So what happened? Yes. I, I know we're we're all over the place, but this is just good conversation. So we we, we don't want to revisit Pickwick. Maybe that what, the the one question I do have on Pickwick for you: Do you feel like that zero was a good thing in some capacity? <laughs> um, <laughs> it sucked, right? It sucked. It, it just like I can't tell you how bad that it sucks because there's actually no words for it. Yeah, like I had my head down. 
I wasn't the only one that zeroed all three days. There were yeah. like eight or nine of us. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like I was alone, but I felt big time alone in this. And I really didn't really know how to take it. Yeah. And it took me a lot of, I literally, when I got back home, I went and jerked on as many lips as I could possibly jerk on. Yep. Feel bad for them, Baz. That's, that's what I, didn't I, that's one thing I do, a pre-ritual thing for me before a tournament is I go and catch as many fish as I can possibly go and catch. Yeah. I don't care the size. I don't, I don't care. I just need to go catch fish because that gets, that gets how you feel about yourself, your morale and everything way, way up mm -hmm. is when you go and do that. So yeah, but Pickwick, there's, there's actually no words for that. And, but I feel like every single person needs to go through that to come back down to earth. Hey, this can happen at any time to any, to any one of us. And something that has changed in me, we were watching the elites, I guess yesterday and, my husband was talking about, hey, I can't believe such and such zeroed. And I'm like, well, hold up. You don't know what the situation was. Right. Like, I look at things totally different. I don't look at, you know, hey, this person only had three fish for four pounds as, you know, hey, look who just caught four pounds. How in the heck did that happen? I don't look at it that way. Now, I look at it as you don't know the situation. You know, what possibly their fish could have moved. You just don't know the situation. So I have a lot more empathy for her. For all these people now, instead of judging, you know, I just kind of like it can happen. Yeah. Like we can't judge somebody that's on a lake that we've never even been to. Sure. Yep. Did you used to do that before though, watching the elites or watching anything? You're like, holy crap, like, you know, uh, let's just throw insert name. Like, I can't believe that they zeroed and they're the, they're the king of the bass fishing world. I may, I may make that comment, yeah. you know, especially if it's lakes I've been to before, but I, I I do not make that comment now whatsoever because like I said, now I know it's possible and I kind of feel like I gotta go through these these hard lessons in order to get to be the angler that I'm supposed to be. And so there it is right there. Yeah. I mean, I think that kind of goes back to the question I asked. Like, yeah, you definitely learned something from it. Cause I I, I mean I, I can't empathize with you at all because I've never been in the position you're in, but now you can empathize with the rest of the anglers on the professional circuit that are fishing three to four days in an event. And then fast forward to Wright Patman, what happened to your boat exactly? Okay. Well, I've had electrical problems for quite some time. We could not figure out what was going on. Basically I could fish for about two hours and then if I was going to move anywhere else, I'd turn on my motor and everything and my boat would go off. Mm -hmm. And it, it was just crazy. We couldn't figure, we knew it was electrical, but we didn't know exactly what it was, which I still could go and operate that, that way because I didn't really need a lot of electronics there. So that really wasn't a big deal to me. But we were actually sitting in the line to put in on day one. I don't get there extremely early. I'm not one of these that's already sitting on the water at 3.30, okay? I'm probably rolling in right before I probably need to take off, which is probably <laughs> not great. But in this situation, that's what it was. I was turning on everything, trying to turn on my lights. Well, a Z21, you have a little screen on your right that controls your lights, your live well, all kinds of different stuff. And it would come on, but it wouldn't do anything. Mm. So basically that screen went out. And so, and I was already having electronic problems anyway. So they gave me the okay to use somebody else's boat as long as the insurance was correct and et cetera, you know. So Will Colley, which was in our house, he had a Camus that was sitting there and he was like, hey, you can use my boat for the day. So we made a switch within like 20 minutes. And literally we did our prayer and everything when I was putting in the water. I was actually standing up on the boat doing all that. And as soon as I got in the water, I had to leave. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and all I had was a base map on day one. No, that's not my excuse, but I do have to have a map on a place like that with nothing but stomps everywhere. Oh yeah. And so I was pretty much had to stay in a very small area, which, you know, Hey, I, w- I was good with, we ordered the part for the Z21, but it wasn't going to come in until I got back from mm-hmm. this tournament. And, uh, we got my boat also rewired while I was there too, as well. So wow. now my boat, man, it's like a brand new boat now. Yeah. Like it's great. But yeah, there was nothing but problems while I was there. And, and that by itself was mentally tough because I don't care who you are. It's like driving somebody else's vehicle. Mm-hmm. You don't like doing it and you're scared to death that you're going to hurt something. But that's why I got, I got a lot more comfortable once I got Harvey's boat. Cause I know what he takes it through on a daily basis. <laughs> so I cannot possibly do what he did. That's right. But I did scratch it. I did scratch it because uh, I, I pulled myself into this one little ditch and I pulled myself in there with my arms pulling on trees to get all the way back in this ditch. And so apparently I scratched it a little bit, but he was he was fine with it. He was like, where'd you find metal at? I said, I didn't find metal. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But anyhow, <laughs> yeah, so. Did, was it, yeah, the w- things I will do to get into spots are, are pretty questionable sometimes. <laughs> I, feel, I feel you. Don't worry. Yeah. That scratch is something he can always remember you by. You know what I mean? So. And oh, then, oh, no. He has other stuff in that boat to remember me by. <laughs> not only do you have a scratch, but you have some dip and glow. Yep. So. <laughs> So now yeah. you're so now yeah. you're moving forward. You got an event coming up, correct? You got yes, four more events, but what what is the next event you got coming up? Santee Cooper, mm. where the elites are right the second. Mm. So I know I can't I can't freaking wait, man, because it, you can go do whatever you want to go do there. Yeah. You know, you can go flip cypress trees. They have grass. They have stumps. I mean, they have everything. Mm-hmm. So, and it's everything that I come from down here. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I don't know. I think in all, I will probably feel more at home there. Have you ever now, been, uh, have you ever been there before? No, I haven't. No. no. Um, I did my homework well before, you know, we, cause we can't get information yep. at past a certain time. And so, you know, obviously I had a few people help me and give me a few, you know, how hey, you need to do this or that. And I have been on, you know, Google Earth and I've been watching the elites, you know, do their thing. Yep. I was invited to go up there with uh, one of my NPFL friends and I ended up not being able to go because steel finances. I mean, that's a real thing. You got to kind of pick and choose what you you go and do, unfortunately. Yep. I mean, it just wasn't in my cards to go and do it, do it as much as I wanted to. So of the remaining events, is that the one you're most looking forward to, Santee? Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, I said I was looking forward to Pickwick, but, you know, uh, because I I usually do okay on the Tennessee River. I just, it just wasn't in the cards. Yeah, but that was, uh, they went awful early. I think that we said that when we broke down the series, because I forget the elites last year or the year before, they went to one of those Tennessee River lakes way too early. Yeah. And it was a, a difficult tournament. Uh, yeah, the water was low. It was it was low and just I, I just I don't know. It just didn't feel right. Yeah, it's those, I just those never lakes got are tough. that warm and fuzzy feeling. The the Tennessee River Valley lakes I think are tough all the time, but when they're low, the, the only times I've fished them have been when they were either, you know, at the peak of winter drawdown or they were just starting to mm-hmm. to fill them back up and it when they're low it is tough but it the one thing i'll say is if it's a local lake to you it's great to be able to ride around and find all that stuff that you can't yeah. see uh during the year and really get get eyes on structure but yeah that was a tough one yeah do you have much experience in the north are you looking forward to going up and chasing smallmouth or 
I'm looking forward to it. No, I do not have a lot of experience. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot scary is probably not the right word, but I'm going to use it because it sounds really girly, but I'm still using it. It's a little scary. You know, you got to think of the waves up there and how it can just turn horrible in a matter of a few minutes. And, you know, although I'm used to rough water down here and I think I'm invisible a lot of times, I will not be up there and <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll see. I'm going to actually fly up there and go out with Mitch and I think okay. Adam may be coming too. And, you know, he's going to take us out there. So it's not as scary, you yeah. know, the fishing part's fine, but you know, you got to put all the weather stuff along that's with right. it. And that's a whole nother beast within itself. Yeah. That, you know, I grew up fishing the great lakes as traded and they, uh, those bodies of water do turn very fast and, and it's one of those yeah. things that you have to have in the back of your mind. I know when I fish them, I'm ch I check the, 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 you know, weather every hour, pretty much, you mm -hmm. know, pull the phone up and take a quick look. Cause yeah. I can't tell how many times I'm out there and they're like, Oh yeah, light and variable out of the West. And you're like, Oh, it's going to be a great day. And then you look at noon and two o'clock, they're like, Nope, switching in the North at about 40. And you know, that lake's going to pick up Yeah, and uh, it's, it's crazy, but um, yeah, you, you I wouldn't let it scare you. Can, you can know you, what you're doing. So. Can can and, you can? Oh, go ahead, Ben. Or Santee can be the same way. Sure, true. I mean, yeah. especially if it's you know they're in that post spawn offshore pattern type oh, of yeah. thing. They get towards the summertime, and you're in the middle of the lake places. You know, it's a big yeah. circle on both those, so they can get pretty rough too. Can you guys? But, yeah, for sure. Can you guys carry a? Um, I think it's a UHF radio, Coast Guard Channel radio. Uh, I know we have them on the boats up in, in the Great Lakes, especially Michigan and Erie and stuff. Can you guys carry those with you in those events? I don't know. I, I need to look. I, I really can't speak on that. I don't know. Yeah, because like any of, the, any of the big Great Lakes, they got Coast Guard postings all over them and stuff. And uh, it's something that, like, I mean, I, I remember being out, like, trolling for salmon and, and come across the Coast Guard radio. Like, yeah, if you're, uh, if you're out on such and such area of, you know, Lake Michigan, like, there's a body that we're looking for. Yep. You know what I mean? And, oh, and you know, and I remember that specifically, we didn't find the body, but that stuff comes across the radio. They'll call out uh, storm patterns and, and, and winds and stuff like that. So really good, good tool. Uh, if you're going to be fishing uh, the great lakes for sure. I didn't know if MPFL yeah. allowed it. So, um, so yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. So for, uh, I think for Santee, like we might come down uh, to the weigh in. Is that accurate, Ben? Like one of us might try to make it down, if not all of us. Yeah, I, I don't think I will be. I'll think I'll probably try to be on Bull Shoals that day, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to try to get down for the at yeah. least the but final day of weigh in. If you all can get down there, that'd be awesome. What's the dates for your event in Santee? Hold on. I'm going to tell you right now. I'll pull up my 21 phone. May. 21 yeah. May. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I have a. So it, that's a 21 May. Is that a Sunday? No, well, our yeah, that's when our practice starts is on the twenty first. But okay. the event actually starts on the twenty fifth. Okay. Yeah. Thursday, twenty fifth through twenty seventh. Yeah, okay. Saturday is the final day, right? The twenty sixth. I believe that's the date. Yeah, Show, showdown like Saturday. I'm definitely since it's a Saturday, I'm definitely gonna ride down there. I might be yeah. able to ride Friday afternoon or something. That's I got a tournament on Saturday, yeah. so it's Memorial Day weekend, isn't it? Yeah. So get. Mm. I don't know how Santee gets with uh, recreational boating or anything like that, but who schedule your tournament on Memorial Day weekend? Who me? Probably PBC. Yeah. PBC, man. Like we got uh, PBC is a Piedmont Bass Classic. Trip Come on, Doug. 
Stephanie. <laughs> and uh, we fish, you know, Gaston Falls, Sharon Harris, Jordan, um, and stuff like that. And so we have so many events in the year. And uh, so we have, we just had one yesterday on Falls and we have one this coming Saturday on Gaston. And then we have like two back to back May 20th and May 27th on Jordan. And then we go to car where the EQs are at right now, Bugs Island. And then we fish a two day championship. It's a $10,000 championship on Jordan. It's uh, in July. So we got tournaments all the time, but the big thing is it's not about, cause the winds, as you know, the W's, they, they come few, they're few far in between, especially when you're fishing against people, you know, like yourself that fishes Sam Rayburn all the time. Like you fish against a guy like Mike Corbishley on falls Lake. Well, I'm sorry, but Mike Corbishley can literally navigate that water with his eyes closed. Um, and you fish against guys on Lake Erie, like Destin Demarion, same, same concept. So, I'm not fishing. I mean, of course, we would love to win. It's a team tournament, so it makes it really nice and a little less stress-free, in my opinion. Uh, but we're in. I'm in a points race. Like, I really want to show consistency throughout the year, and I don't have the ability to practice like I want to. So I fish in a lot of these tournaments cold, and I and I really don't like doing that. But I also haven't fished tournaments in like three years. So to be sitting in seventh. And the points overall out of 150 anglers, I feel really good about that. And so just a confidence booster for me, but I'm definitely going to take some time off to come down and see you guys um, at Santee Cooper, I believe, because that's only a few hours down the road from us up here. And yeah, we would love to see you. Yeah. I wonder if they offer media passes and stuff for the MPFL. I'll hit, like, I'll hit yeah, Paul up. We'll check them out. So, um, But yeah, so you got a lot of things going on and you're a full-time mother, full-time wife, and obviously love to play 18 holes of golf here and there. Um, How do you balance all that? Matter of fact, how do you balance all that stuff? (laughs) Um, I probably don't balance it really. I probably actually (laughs) fell at it a a lot, but you know, I try to make my oldest son right now a huge priority. He's going to be going into the senior year and you know, so prom and all these things, you know, I, I try to be here for him. I will be gone for his 18th birthday. We'll be at Santee Cooper, but you know, we'll celebrate before he's 18 years old. Well, about to be 18 years old. Thank God I got him to 18. (laughs) Um, you know, but I, I just really try to balance it. I probably don't balance marriage as quite as well as I do of being a mom because I'm an A top personality and, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I probably don't, you know, probably treat it the way it always should be treated. It should be your, the best thing in your life and it should be number one, but fishing, as I said before, it is an addiction and it does take away, you know, you think about it, you dream about it, you do everything that has to do with fishing just to try to make yourself better. And sometimes, you know, marriage kind of takes that back seat and it probably should not. That's why I say I probably fell a lot, but you know, when you have that goal of trying to be great, my, you know, my great, not your great, my great, you know, you're going to do whatever you can to be that way. And that does require, I mean, it requires everything you have. I mean, it really does. And the people that are great at balancing, God bless you all. Trust me, because (laughs) I'm not, you know, I'm not good at it yet. I really try to be. Yeah. I I don't think we, I don't think a lot of people have their stuff together as much as every from the, everyone from the outside looking in at them thinks they do. Uh, social media is a really good way to put on a facade. Um, but when it comes to, uh, nesting your marriage with your individual dreams, it sounds like you do have a family that is very supportive 
of doing oh, yeah. that. And, and that's where you hear a lot of people say like that support system I couldn't do without. So as long as your yeah. family's willing to compromise with you being able to chase your individual dreams and yeah. still maintain a good family, healthy relationship, like I think that's about mm-hmm. as best yeah. as we can ask for, you know? Yeah. So oh yeah, hundred percent. So I agree, you know? Steven understands, he understands my goals and understands how much it means to me. Where he does not understand is how to support me in that type of stuff mentally. Because, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, you may have a bad tournament. You get 24 hours after that tournament to be able to dwell on it. But after that, you better get up, put your big girl pants on and move on, mm-hmm. you know. And a lot of a lot of our significant others don't know how to deal with that. They don't know how to deal with what we go that what happens on the water. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't know how to support us in the right ways, but we're probably not very vocal on how to support us either. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, but, you know, I'm very blessed. My dad's actually going to Santee Cooper with me. Awesome. Um, so, yeah, so he's going to be pre-fishing with me. I couldn't be more excited because, you know, I know he still looks back at me when I'm fishing and probably sees this little bitty girl, but then yet... <laughs> He's always talking about how proud he is that I'm doing everything I ever said I wanted to do. Yeah, I think that's so. the best we can ask for from from the perspective of a father. I got a 15 year old daughter and she's still trying to figure out her way in life. And I think it took me till I was like 35 years old to figure out how I wanted to be when I was a grown up. So that was only a couple of years ago. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) I think we all define success. We all define our dreams and and we all define having our stuff together is that's that we only have our own definition of that. No one else can define that for us. So, um, we're looking forward to you, uh, and to watching you throughout the rest of the MPFL year, but more than that, like how you progress, um, because, you know, a lot of us live vicariously through all your guys uh, national level events, you know, gives us something to talk about. And these podcasts, like your, like your Bass Hub podcast, like these are therapeutic sessions, like getting a, a being able to surround yourself with like-minded people and have these conversations. This is part of the mental game, in my opinion, yeah. because we learn so much from having conversations from each other. So, or with each other, rather. Um, so I definitely appreciate you taking the time and before it lets you know, you're not alone. Yeah, you definitely, you're not alone. (laughs) We're all going through the same stuff. I will say this. If I can leave everybody on one note, be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah. Don't hold yourself, you know, so accountable for everything. If you do something stupid out on the water, you know, I mean, just laugh at yourself because you're going to do some of the dumbest things you've ever seen, especially when there's a camera boat right beside you because i seem to freeze up and forget who i am when i have camera boats around <laughs> um so or leave or leave the power poles down and try to crank up and leave or whatever <laughs> i mean you know just just laugh at yourself because you're going to continue to do stupid things like that i don't care how high up you are it's gonna happen and you're gonna say stupid things so just so just laugh okay so. you two two things then uh one what is the stupidest thing you've done so far on the water oh god I just did it. Matter of fact, uh, I was in, I was in Will Collie's boat and he has, I believe the Raptors on the back, I guess. And I don't have Raptors on my boat and you, you know, you push them down with your foot. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sitting here fishing this tree. There's a camera boat nearby. They're taking pictures and I'm and I, I, I personally, that's still hard for me. That's something I'm having to grow with the whole camera situation. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause to me, everybody is always judging. Oh, she's doing this wrong or she's doing this. So I'm not even thinking about these Raptors. I'm ready to leave. <laughs> so I pick up the trailer motor. I crank up and I'm like, we're not moving. I raise up the motor a little bit and I'm like, maybe I'm on bottom. 
And then all of a sudden it just clicks. I'm like, these stupid Raptors are still down. <laughs> and so, and it, it's, the, it's, it's absolutely stupid. Oh, and something else worse than that did happen, but I don't think we can say it on air. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get that we'll, one after. We'll, <laughs> well, don't hang up after we end the show. We definitely have to talk about this. Yeah, but, you know, all that, too. The camera guys were right there, and all that happened. And it just, like, you just want to put your head down and be like, what the heck? I think, I mean, I think to bring things you know. full circle, that's a, another layer of stress that you don't think about is yeah. now you have a camera boat you may have live video depending on where you're at like that's a whole yes. nother thing like you said because i'm the same way like if you're doing something and somebody's watching you that's in the back of your mind like oh they're critiquing well, like i'm not throwing i'm not doing this right i got I'm not one doing more that thing right. that happened that was kind of crazy and i can't talk about this one because it was during practice and i'm off this point this rocky point i found a whole bunch of brush piles in a row about 10 foot deep and you know I'm just kind of doing my own thing and i'm here uh, this whole time it sounds like almost like somebody was sawing down something okay and i'm like where is this coming from i'm not near really anything i'm kind of just looking around me never look up okay this is for like 10 minutes i never look up i even backlash i'm sitting down and i'm pulling out this backlash and i'm still hearing uh, and i'm just like what the hell that was part of my language no, and then i go and grab another rod throw it over there. And I'm still hearing this. I'm telling you 20 minutes now. And I look up and there's a dang drone above my head <laughs> the whole time. Like you never know what I'm going to do. So I'm sitting here thinking, what else did I do in those last 20 minutes that I'm hearing? <laughs> I thought, <laughs> I thought she was going to say Harvey Horn was in the rod compartment sleeping. <laughs> He's in there no, I don't think he could fit, yeah. but don't fit past me. I, I, me personally, I think I need someone to follow me around and film me because I stay a lot calmer. Yeah. When I have people with me in the boat, like, yeah, I don't let the old arm, the army. Nope. Uh, words come out. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go full construction mode. I don't, it doesn't matter who's in there. (laughs) When I, when I have a breakdown, you could have, I could be on BSS live and I'd still be cussing up a storm and have to call my mom and apologize. (laughs) I got my GoPros out there. It will happen because I can edit that out. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually a lot more calm when I'm fishing with somebody or, uh, you know, and there's other people around. Cause. You, you, yeah, you're, you're right, Ben. Like I get frustrated when I get out on the water and like stupid things happen. Like very first cast goes into a tree and I, I talk to myself, come on, Trey, like, yeah. what, are you, what doing? are you doing? Like, yeah. I don't get to talk to myself. Now, sometimes I think talking to yourself helps, you know, <laughs> but if you have a partner in the boat and they don't know you as well as you want them to know you then they don't get to know you that well because you True. like you you kind of harness that stuff in but you know that that is Pete Pete made a great point like you're under national level stress now because you have no idea where that camera footage is going after that no, drone leaves no, you I, where- I still don't know like I still haven't <laughs> seen that footage yet and I've kind of wondered where where it's at I feel like that I should be it. releasable like you should be able to request a copy of all the footage because that's like some privacy it may act have thing. not been the NPFL then though because it was during practice oh. it may have not been like oh, it could yeah. have been anybody I could have been sitting on top of somebody's brush piles and they're like are they catch- she yeah, catching what's she doing <laughs> She's out there sore mouthing all my bass. Yeah, like, I mean, anything, anything could have possibly. But, you know, it's funny because we had to have a GoPro running at all times. Yeah. And I talked to that GoPro like I'm on some fishing show now. Yeah. Like, I'm talking the whole time. You know, yeah, look at that flip. It was perfect. And it kind of went right in there. And 
you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there talking to the GoPro, like, like I'm on my special fishing show, I guess. I don't <laughs> know. And so it's hilarious when you go back and listen to it because it's like, you know, I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> it's it's kind of dumb. The GoPro stuff that has really brought to light a lot of education for the fishing world. And, uh, I'm really bad about it. I have a GoPro and I don't ever put it up and I really need to, but that I, yeah. when I do put the GoPro on my boat, I do the same thing. I just talk to it. I just literally yeah. talk to the GoPro. Like I have somebody with me. Um, and maybe it goes back to the bill dance days, you know, like I just get that little jingle in my head and I'm just going fishing with Trey today. So, um, and then you said you said saying something stupid. So you did something that you you were like, oh my gosh, the Raptors are down. What have you said that you were like, oh, I shouldn't have said that. What haven't I said? That's really hard <laughs> to even pick from because it's me. Yeah, I talk a lot, <laughs> and so you know what have I not said? Yep, or done. But I will go ahead and say this because we can say this on here. This is the dumbest thing I had ever done, and unfortunately, I apologize to whatever angler caught me doing this. But I got around the corner the other day. Once again, it's a bathroom situation. I thought I was free from everybody. I was around the brush. I had to use the bathroom. I was, I swear I was around nobody. Next thing I know, I hear somebody and they're 50 feet from me, mm. like there. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, whoever it was. I just saw your face and that's all I, I that face will forever be in my brain. Oh man. That's funny. Uh, you know we've what? all been there. That's part of it though. I mean, when they don't have porter potties like strategically located around the banks of the, you got to go where you got to go. I think anybody yeah, I can tell you that. I don't think that dude was expecting that though. Yeah. I really don't. From the look on his face, <laughs> no, he wasn't expecting it. Well, nope. so. Yeah. Oh man. I guess that would be a bit of a shock. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I, I, I know I've done it. I'm sure you all have too, where you get in the back of a creek or something, you think yeah. you're safe. So you jump up on the back deck and you, you're you back there do, doing your thing. And next yeah. thing you know, here comes the family in the pontoon boat. And you're like, yeah, uh. I actually had to leave. <laughs> I had to leave. I couldn't even look at the guy. Like oh, wow. I literally, I had to leave right then. Yeah. Like you just shared an experience that you don't ever want to like talk about or look at again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, so now it can be replayed forever. Yeah. But I just, sorry, dude. But you know I, what, I, Stephanie? You you're in the entertainment industry now. You know? Oh, yeah, for like sure. And I can, it, hey, believe me, I can entertain. Well, they never win a tournament, but I can entertain you. Hey, it is what it is. I mean, well, maybe the maybe the structure will settle and and the bones will get stronger and and you'll you'll pull a w out and, and that's you know they're few far yeah. in between and uh you know you can fish we all know we can fish and if you just do what you like to do and stay confident at what you're confident at and continue educating yourself and using you know your mentors wisely like i think you know, we think that you'll be right along the way and uh, yeah. it was definitely a pleasure uh, having you on the show before we uh allow some some sponsor opportunities or plugs and stuff like that pete you got anything to to hit on no i, I appreciate you hanging out with us for almost two hours and telling telling a bunch of stories and, <laughs> and sharing your journey a lot like what you like to do on the bass sub that that's kind of what we look to do here we yep. we want to hear the angler stories and it doesn't always have you know it doesn't always have to be the same ones that are on every show every that's week right. and you see all the podcasts scramble for the same the same content a lot of times. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, we wanted yeah. to be different. So uh, we appreciate that. We, we jump on your lives. I think you won something on one of their lives a couple weeks ago, didn't you, Trey? No, that wasn't me. Oh, uh, it was but a different I, Trey Thompson? No, maybe maybe I did. You haven't sent it to me yet, though. 
What, what did you win? What did you win? I think it was what a gift card or something. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a bottle that, of dip and glow. That's all Harvey. That has, that's all Harvey. Yeah, you, you called out the Harvey, name so. Trey Thompson, but I didn't pay attention if it was a different Trey Thompson. Oh, man. I'll make sure you get it down. <laughs> oh, there, well, there's only one. There's only oh, one. Oh, you're the only one no, in the whole there's world. There's the only that's one. Right. So, uh, yeah. But no, I appreciate <laughs> yeah. jumping on, watching y'all's shows and, and the lives. And, you, yeah. you know, you guys have great content, well, thank you. too. So. You know, it's it's like you said, therapy for us, to be honest. And so, I mean, we, we love it. Right. Yeah. Hopefully, yeah. it continues to grow and everybody enjoys it. Also. Yeah. Hey, Ben, all the way from uh, from the Carolinas over there. Carolina Lake. <laughs> you got anything for Stephanie? No, I've no, I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for coming on. No, thank you. Uh, wish I could, you know, could have actually been up there with you with you boys and in, in the booth, but that was just a that was bad communication. It's all good. Our, our, it's all good. It's all good. It's good practice. Yeah. Uh, for for sure. Out of town, but yeah, Stephanie. Definitely appreciate you having on. Well, thank you for having looking, me. And looking forward to seeing what happens down at Santee. Because I, I think you're right. I mean, it sets up a lot like the lakes. Yep. Or it can set up a lot like the lakes that you're used to. So yeah, it'll be, yes, a, it'll be sure. a good event. We'll try to get down there and see you. Stephanie, before we jump off, do you want to plug any yeah. sponsors, anyone you want to thank for anything uh, within your professional oh, yeah. fishing career um, or so on? Yeah. As always, the man upstairs. Because without that, I, I wouldn't even be here mm-hmm. what I'm doing today. Uh, my husband, obviously my family, but more importantly, Rayburn resort and Marina, um, they, they've supported me for the last past three years and they continue to support me throughout everything. We have some new cabins that have been built on the water, a new Marina. We've got gas. Now you can pull up and get gas at the Marina. So that's, that's awesome. Joe from Texas. Thank you very much. I appreciate everything. Quality mat, crusher lures, robo worm, big bite bait. Black Rifle Coffee and Forty Four Tackle. Well, um, all my needs are met right there. I can't. So. I, I'm hoping I can get to that many people to thank later too. But uh, we definitely appreciate you joining us all the way from the uh, from the Lone Star State, and we wish you well, uh, especially in this upcoming tournament in South Carolina. We can't wait to see you, and we appreciate you. And hopefully, this is just part one, and we'll get you back on the one cast. Okay, sounds great. Thank you for having me. Yes, ma'am. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.